This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 ESPN. Good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors. And the goal that we have is to provide our listeners some really good information about the real estate, the local real estate market. And, you know, I, I talk a lot about you got to have a well-prepared game plan. Well, today we've got some guests that are going to fill us with information on getting that game plan in place. Um, today we have uh, Pablo Estrada of Homebridge Mortgage. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having us. Sure. And we also have Didi Scordino of Homebridge Mortgage. Good morning. Good morning, Don. Again. Uh, again. That's right. Scordino. Now, you must be related to Don somehow. <laughs> that's what they say when I have a call. That's right. You know a Don Scordino. All right. And we also have Anthony Blackburn of Apple Appraisals. Good morning. Hey, good morning. All right. Now, but I understand it's Anthony if it's just business, Tony if we're friends. That's right. That's right. It's Anthony to my mom and the cops and Tony to my friends. All right. Who do you see more, the cops or your mom? Uh, I, I'm wait, wait. You don't have to answer that on the air. <laughs> <laughs> I see my mom more. <laughs> oh, that's a good thing. All right. Well, today we're going to be talking about the lending process, which is vital in, in our, um, our, our market. Um, could you imagine if everybody had to pay cash for everything? There was no loans. Or how about over in Europe where you got to put 50% down and then um, every five years they renew your interest. They renew the loan until you finally pay it off. No wonder they own a place for 400 years in a family. <laughs> yeah, we will be in trouble over here. That's right. Um, so there's so much talk right now about interest rates. Um, Pablo, if I could ask you, <clears throat> why are the rates so low? Well, the main reason right now, in my personal opinion, the government has done a good job at keeping the rates low because they realize how vital real estate is for the market and the economy. So by the government helping us keeping the rates low, it has allowed for a lot of people that, number one, were in the fence about moving forward, uh, actually taking taking that step, or even for people that own a home to be able to refinance. So that has kept uh, business and momentum going, though we're in, in much different times right now. That has been the, the reality, and, and thankfully rates have uh, been on, on our side, and they have remained low. Um, Didi, how, what's your take on what? Why are rates so low? Or, or maybe if you could tell us how low is low? <laughs> how low is low? Pretty close to zero, but uh, not quite there. Um, in my time in the industry, I've seen it uh, fluctuate quite a bit. And going back 16 years, I, I've seen all kinds of different rates, but... Um, low to us right now, or, or the average rates, I would say, are in the high twos and the low threes, and that's for the most qualified uh, borrower. 
and that would be with specific uh, credit scores and specific criteria on a, on a type of loan. And each rates are different now for different types of loans. We're talking government loans versus conventional loans. And when I said high twos, that'd be like a 15-year loan um, on a government loan, or 15-year rate on a government loan, and then um, low threes would be a 30-year rate on a government loan. Pardon me, on a conventional loan. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I would sure like to find my Fresno State professor who taught real estate finance, and he showed us this big, long mathematical formula as to why interest rates would never go below 12% again. And this is back when the rates were at you know, uh, in the upper teens, as high as 18%. And it's like, well, okay, we just got to get used to it. I think he was wrong. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's what happens when you forecast. Yes. (laughs) Never never say never Mm -hmm. and never put a date on your forecast. Very true. Yeah. Yes. I I think rates are going to go up again, but I'm not going to say when. Exactly. Yeah, and I would I would definitely dare to say that that the rates are not going to remain this low forever. I think for a good while they will, but um, to like you said, not to forecast to f- in the future. But um, I do know we're in a special time where they have done extra efforts to keep them low. So Tony, uh, what has the low rates done to your appraisal business? Well, uh, in in a word, explosion. Uh, we're very busy. Uh, we, uh, uh, I, I own what's called an appraisal management company. Uh, we manage the appraisal process for lenders like Pablo uh, and Homebridge all over California, Nevada, and Washington. And uh, we've seen our business uh, quadruple uh, in the past uh, in the past year. Uh, with the with the lower interest rates, um, it's been uh, it's been a, a pretty crazy ride. But we have a lot of great relationships with uh, with appraisers throughout, uh, especially in the Fresno area, and uh, it's just it's very very busy. So, and we are going to be talking in this show about how we're all so busy, and yet there's um, this pandemic and how that is affecting our business. So we will be getting to that, so uh, stay in there. Um, okay, so I've got to ask this one. I made my forecast. Uh, Pablo, tell us what your forecast is for interest rates. Is this something that's going to stick around for a few weeks? Um, like you said, it's really hard to predict. Uh, even for us that we're in this business, uh, I personally been doing this for 15 years, and um, and for a while, about a month ago, when the whole pandemic hit hard here in the in the Fresno area, um, we saw rates move throughout the day. Usually, if we have an eighth of a rate movement, to us that's 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 something big per se in a day. We were seeing the rates fluctuate as much as half a point close to a point in one day. So we were in this roller coaster day by day, mm-hmm. quoting clients saying, hey, I can <laughs> I can estimate this for you for the next four hours. But if you call me back um, later, it might be different. And it was a tough moment. Thank God it didn't last for a long time. Um, but to pretty much answer <laughs> your question, I do foresee rates remaining low um, in the, maybe in the next three, four months, I can, feel comfortable saying that. 
Um, longer than that, I don't know. And I do believe that the pandemic and what happens with it will have a lot to do with it. And also, how long can the government help us keep the rates as low as they have? Because obviously, um, they're not making any profit. We all heard the news about going to zero. That doesn't mean that the interest rates are zero. But nonetheless, the government is doing extra efforts to keep them low. So I would say this won't last forever. I tell you that much. But it definitely is good right now. And, and I would, you know, would like for people to jump on it, the people that haven't, because it is a good time to refinance, a good time to buy. So that's just how I, I forecast through this whole situation. All right. So you're saying it's a good time to jump on it. Let me ask Didi. So it's not like people can just walk into your office right now and do an application. So Didi, how do you guys handle that? Well, I I believe the phone has now come back to its uh, original intention. People are calling. I mean, they are calling, they are texting, they are emailing, um, wanting to know, and that's their first question is, what is the rate? Um, thinking about refinancing. So I personally have a conversation with them, get their information, their situation, and run a quote for them. Um, we're doing all the, <clears throat> pardon me, the documentation online as far as uh, not walking in the office and dropping off paperwork or meeting people face-to-face, but we're speaking to them um, just as much, if not more, so there's still quite a bit of personal touch in that. And that personal touch is still really important. I think we just, as uh, a guest a couple of weeks ago, Bo Miracle said, we have to hone our listening skills a little differently today uh, with not being able to see people face-to-face, although you can always do it by Zoom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Zoom is big right now. (laughs) It is. I'm having two to three Zoom meetings uh, a day, but some of it's really good. um, Later today, the Scordinos are having a little family reunion by Zoom, and we're going to have people from Europe, uh, Holland, Italy, uh, Vermont, uh, uh, Alaska, all all on there together. So look – Hey, we wouldn't have done this a month ago. Oh, yeah. No, times have changed a lot. And thank God for Zoom because <clears throat> today's my uh, nephew's birthday, Mateo, and uh, we're having a Zoom uh, singing for him. Happy birthday. So I know what you mean. So, okay, we know he's listening. So go ahead. Tell him happy birthday. Mateo, I love you very much, Mio, and uh, happy birthday, okay? <laughs> Excellent. Um, all right. So what – if I could ask – uh, Pablo, what goes into a rate? Uh, what um, you, so we hear zero percent, uh, but but of course, mortgage rates aren't that that low. So Correct. so what goes into it? What makes that rate? Well, the rates are composed of different things. Obviously, the government it's partial of the whole the whole equation. But there's, there's much more to it. There's investors, there's hedging on the back end. So there's a lot more things behind it. So for us to hear 0% rates uh, when the government announces that, it doesn't equate to 0% interest for a customer. Definitely helps the, the market. Interestingly enough, when the government first announced it, rates went down right away. But two, three days later, the rates went up. And people were, were baffled by that. How could that happen? Uh, well, what goes behind behind it, it it's composed of so many things. It's for Even for people that have been doing this for so long, it's even hard to get a customer to understand all of it. But for us to be able to at least let them know, hey, 
this is where you're at, and this is where you can be. And every case is different. That's one thing we always have to remember. Everyone has different credit scores, different needs, different terms. Usually a lower term equates to a lower interest rate. Um, if it's a government loan versus a conventional loan. So there's so many particulars to every situation that um, for someone to be able to know what the rate is, it has to specifically be tailored to them. It's, it's just like a suit. And of course, down payment means a lot. So just asking the question, hey, what's the interest rate today? Yeah. That's a tough question to mm -hmm. answer. Yeah. Number one, it's illegal to answer because you have to quote an APR. You have to know their scores. So the question, what is the rate? It's unfortunately not something that any lender would say, oh, this is the rate. No. We can give a, a range, just like Didi did. Rates are between the high threes and the mid, that the high twos and the mid threes. But nonetheless, not everyone's going to get the, the high twos. No one's, not everyone's going to get the high threes. Everyone will be in a different situation. And, and it all depends on your score, down payment. Uh, there's, there's many factors. But at least giving a range makes it where people have an idea where, what it will look like. Okay, we're going to go to our commercial break right now, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, and we're going to have more on why you may want to consider refinancing right now and what the appraisal process is all like. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio. Welcome home radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And this song, September, is my wife's favorite song, I believe. Is that right, Dee? Well, I was just saying, oh, he played my song. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's one of my favorites because it does uh, make you remember a lot of a lot of the past, a lot of good times, yes. Mm-hmm. And um, okay. So let's talk more about financing and i've got to ask the question and pablo i'm going to ask you this one forbearance that's a new word that's being thrown out there eh, not new to people like you or me or Didi or tony but new, new to the general public is in, in uh some lenders are offering or the words out there some lenders are offering three months of forbearance explain to us what is that Yes. Um, so forbearance really means, um, and it's tailored for people that are having difficulty making their payments. So um, with everything going on, um, a lot of the um, entities have allowed for forbearance. This is actually, though the government is announcing it, um, you know, as a, as a broad thing, it is every company has different rules, depending who your lender is, your institution, they will have a different rule for this. So really the, the, the bottom line is forbearance is for anyone that's not having any opportunity to make their payments due to the pandemic going on, they lost their job, uh, they don't have income coming in. So what this allows you to do is, is not make a payment, not have to incur any, any fees, any late fees and stuff like that. But one thing we have to um, really discuss about this, it's made for people that really has been affected by this. I know a lot of uh, people right now are just seeing that it's available and they're jumping on it, but there's stuff behind it that people haven't realized that uh, when you don't make a payment, if you are later trying to get another loan or trying to buy another house, it will most likely affect your ability because the first thing a lender does when they're trying to approve a new loan, they look at your history. Have you been making your payments in the last 12 months? 
So yes, it's there to help people. Yes, it's available. Um, now, must you take it? It's all upon your situation. And that's uh, the best way um, we can describe it currently. Yeah. And the key here is if you've been affected by COVID in a negative manner and cannot make the payment, let's say you were an appraiser and like Tony said, hey, you guys are busy as can be, right? Right. So um, how do you explain that to the lender that, well, I don't want to make my payment this month because uh, I hear you guys are giving forbearance even though I'm still working. Yeah, I personally had a couple of my clients and I always appreciate when they call me and check in with me because that's very crucial. So for anyone out there listening, if you have a lender, a realtor, someone that you are close with, uh, call them and ask them that question. Hey, must I take it? Uh, can I not take it? Uh, what's the situation? And I've been advising that. If, if you have to take it because your job got cut, you lost your job, you're in furlough, uh, whatever the case might be, um, definitely. But if it's something that you can still afford to make the payment, do it because it will have longer term effects. It's not that they're forgiving you the money. They're just allowing you to, to skip a few payments, but you have to eventually get caught up again. So um, that's, that's in a nutshell what we're looking at. And Didi, I think you can <clears throat> tell us this one. Uh, let's go back to five to 10 years ago. There were a lot of people that did short sales and they thought, well, gosh, this is great. The lender's working with me. They're allowing me not to pay. And then they're going to take a hundred thousand dollar hit on it. And then, um, six months later, they, after they short sell six months later, they want to buy something, but what happened to the, those people? Well, what happened to their credit uh, is really the um, the effect. Unfortunately, they, if they took advantage of that short sale, which it seems like things go in a popularity contest, you know, people hear, oh, it's available. And like Pablo said, maybe not, you know, you need to research all the options first because the consequences could be um, could be detrimental to your credit history or your credit scores. And so going down the road, um, those people that didn't pay their full pay, pull their full mortgage off, they short sailed it. It goes down as a negative credit history and it shows up and it shows up for a long time as basically an unpaid debt. Yes, it was forgiven by the bank, but a portion of that debt wasn't paid back. So it has a long term effect on their credit history and therefore they had to wait the time frame out of which they'd be eligible to um, qualify for a new purchase all right um okay Didi, you've been in the business uh, or tell us when when did you get into the lending business what year in lending i got in in 2004 i have 30 years in the total industry but first of all it was real estate but lending 2004 so it's my 16th year Okay. What are the key yeah. components that you look for in qualifying someone? So someone calls up either to refinance or to, to get pre-qualified to buy a home. Uh, what are the key components? Well, as Pablo mentioned earlier, depending on the type of loan, um, there's, a, there's different criteria. But the key components for any loan are credit. Uh, some people don't even have credit, so that's that's our first issue. We we need to run a credit report, a full credit report, 
and there's three bureaus, obviously we need to get scores from at least two of those bureaus in order to, to have a, a valid credit score. And um, we need a two-year work history. Some people believe that, you know, I've only been on my job three months, but I worked 10 years somewhere else. Well, as long as there wasn't a huge gap, um, they have a two-year credit, uh, excuse me, a two-year work history. So that um, work history comes into it. Um, the value of the property, um, loan to value, we call it LTV. How big is a loan versus the um, value of the property? Um, different loans will allow us to do different loan to values. Um, for an example, if a property is worth 300000 and you only want to borrow 200000 well, you're in good shape, but vice versa, no, yeah, that's, that's not going to fit. And lastly, it's debt to income. So if you are working, you have a job, and you also have credit, and on your credit is debt or obligations, we need to qualify the debt to income ratio to make sure it fits within the parameters of specific loans. And the debt to income ratio, as well as the loan to value, um, is different for different types of loans. Okay. Whether it be conventional hey. or um, or government loans. And that debt to income is so important. And um, I see this when people want to rent a home or something and they have $2,000 a month income and they're trying to apply for a $1,500 a month rental. How is a family going to live on an extra 500? So they, in a way, they don't have the ability to repay. So why get into that? Um, yeah. And you mentioned loan to value and that's where the appraiser comes in, right? Yes. We normally need to get an appraisal um, to determine the value of the property. Um, and then we, you know, that validates our loan to value. And, and we're going to, in the next segment, we're going to be talking a lot about appraisal. So uh, Tony, get ready. We're, we're, we're coming oh, at ready. you. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Had a good talk with Tony yesterday, and I could tell you he's ready. In fact, I love this one. I said, you know, I'm going to try not to throw you any curveballs. He said, no, throw it. I'll hit it out of the park. <laughs> I'll knock Aww. it out of the park for you. All right. Um, so, Didi, give us a, a brief, if somebody has, uh, they, they go online and they can get a free credit score there, and it says they're 600. How, do you go by that or do you have to run your own full credit report? And if so, can it be much different? Okay. So the first question was, can we go with that credit score? They tell us no. Um, it gives me an idea if they, if they're telling me, well, karma, credit karma or whatever engine they go to says what it is. It gives me an idea, but that's just for conversation I do ask for permission to run their credit report and run a full mortgage credit report and through all three bureaus. And then there's usually a range. So we need to use the middle score of all three bureaus. That comes off of our credit report. Have you ever seen one where they say, well, uh, uh, this credit score online said I was a 600, but they were really a 700? You ever see that or, or go the other way? Say it was 700? Um, usually, usually the other way. 
yeah, I usually see that it's uh, higher than, um, or they, they're they getting a higher um, credit score from somewhere else mm-hmm. and versus what we actually get. But um, it's just, they're just pulling from a different engine. So it, it really doesn't have any validity on, on our determination of their credit worthiness. We need to pull our own. Mm-hmm. Well, with that, we are going to go to our next commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio. 940 on your digital dial. Welcome back. Welcome home radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And here we have Pablo Estrada and Didi Scordino of Homebridge Financial. A couple of loan officers. Uh, Well, Pablo, you're the manager there, right? Correct, yes. All right. You got to keep Didi in line, right? I try. <laughs> I've tried, too. <laughs> God bless us. All right, guys. <laughs> yeah. No, Didi's awesome. All right. Thank uh, you, Pablo. She is, yeah. <laughs> Don, you have to say it. At least I, mine is optional. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we played the music, Put Me In, Coach, because uh, Tony Blackburn of Apple Appraisals said he can knock it out of the park if I throw him some curveballs. So... You know, appraisals are something that most realtors love to talk about, not always in a positive way. Uh, it's, I, I still remember a low appraisal I got 25 years ago. It's like I can't get it out of my mind anymore. So I've got a lot of questions for you, Tony. All right. All right. So um, why is an appraisal important in a home mortgage process? Well, the appraiser is uh, the only uh, legally required to be unbiased person in the transaction, uh, all the way through the transaction. Uh, The realtor and uh, the loan officer, they're required to be your advocate. That's their job. They want to be your advocate. They want to do the best job for, uh, for the borrower possible. Uh, the appraiser is a little bit different. We're reco- required by law to be unbiased. And what that does is it puts us in a unique position uh, to be able to serve the lending community, uh, which is who we work for. We don't work for the borrower. We don't work for the, uh, for the uh, realtor. We work for the lender uh, because it's the lender's money who's being loaned out. Uh, so we make sure that uh, uh, the property is, uh, in, in a lot of cases, safe and habitable, just depending on the type of appraisal that we're doing. We do uh, kind of a cursory uh, inspection of uh, the safety and soundness of the property for FHA loans, for example, uh, to make sure the borrower has a, uh, has a safe uh, uh, place to live in. Uh, that's what FHA wants. And uh, we also make sure that the lender is making a sound lending decision. We're part of that lending decision process. Okay, so you're giving the value of the collateral. So in the event the um, borrower doesn't repay and the lender has to take it back, at least the lender has some documentation there on what it is they're taking back and uh, they've got a full description of the home. Exactly, exactly. And not only a full description of the home, but a picture of where that uh, home fits into the financial picture um, uh, that's the entire loan package, because uh, that's a big decision for the lender. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, and what are the things that an appraiser looks for when, when you do an appraisal on a property? Well, what we look for in uh, general is we're going to look at the uh, size of the home. There's, there's kind of two. There's a couple components to the appraisal process. Um, one of them is, is obviously looking at the home, and the other is looking at the market and comparing the home to the market. What else is going on in, in, in the area, the neighborhood? What else is selling in the neighborhood? But when we're out at the house, we're looking at the size of the home, the age of the home, uh, the quality of construction. Uh, we're looking at the remodeling uh, that a borrower may have done or, or even a previous owner has done. We're looking uh, at additions. Uh, that maybe been built to the home or garage conversions. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, the condition itself is a is a big issue, um, and we're going to do uh, usually about a half hour inspection out at the property, measuring, taking photos, asking questions of either the realtor or the borrower, depending on if it's a uh, uh, purchase or or refinance transaction. Um, so there's a, there's a whole lot that goes on, uh, when we're out at the property. So Um, do you like it when the realtor's there? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I go out and I speak to groups of realtors. I've done that with, uh, Pablo and some of the people at his office. We'll go out and we'll speak to groups of realtors. And, uh, that's the one thing that I always emphasize to realtors is I, I want to meet you at the property. Um, as appraisers, we have lockbox keys, just like, uh, just like realtors. So we can just go, you know, if the property's vacant, we can go in there and do and do our thing. Uh, but realtors are the best source of information for an appraiser. As an appraiser, I'm a data miner. I'm always looking for information. I'm uh, trying to get as much information about the property and about the story of the property. And uh, the realtor is always the best source of that for us. So yes, absolutely. I want to meet the realtor out there every time. Yeah, and we can always share um, our experience in marketing the thing. Um, you know, whether we had five showings the first day, uh, although that's a little bit hard right now, <laughs> but uh, or if it was a difficult one to sell and, and took a long, long time. So yeah. Well, right, and sometimes, sometimes those things, you know, some things that you think might be obvious really aren't. Like let's let's. Uh, give an example of a of a home that's maybe on a street that's a little more heavily traveled than uh, than a residential side street. Mm-hmm. Um, in Fresno right now, there's not a whole lot on the market. Fresno is is a vibrant market. There's a lot of activity in the market. As a matter of fact, Fresno is one of the most active real estate markets in the state. And uh, uh, but but there's still percentage wise, there's not a whole lot on the market right now. So. Even a home maybe on a little bit of a traffic street, maybe a borrower, uh, a potential buyer might be willing to overlook that as a negative factor just so they can get into the property. And that's good. That's information that a realtor has for an appraiser because I can ask the realtor, uh, hey, when people were coming through to look at this house, did people talk about that traffic street location uh, or was it not that big a deal? So you can see how having the realtor at the inspection can be really important and a great source of information for the appraiser. Excellent. And um, I do know that, yeah, a home on a busy street has an adverse condition or if it backs Mm -hmm. up to a railroad track or something, but uh, yeah, depending on supply and demand, 
the the impact on price of that could be uh, lessened quite a bit. It, exactly, exactly. Um, what can a homeowner do to best prepare? So let, let, let's say somebody's refinancing their home. Um, so they're living in it, and uh, of course they want the highest appraisal. So what can they do to make your job not just easier, but um, better prepared? Well, for from my perspective, uh, what I like to see is is uh, a homeowner that uh, uh, does a little preparation ahead of time. Um, you know, you can always obviously clean things up and and straighten things out, and uh, but you, a homeowner doesn't have to go to the extent of maybe you know touching up the paint or uh, or doing any of any of that stuff. Uh, uh, but for an appraiser. Um, make the appraiser's job as easy as possible. Make sure all the doors, for example, and gates are unlocked uh, around the property so the appraiser can get around uh, easily. Uh, be available for the appraiser for questions at the end of the inspection. Uh, you don't want to follow the appraiser around. And again, in, I'm talking about in normal times, not uh, uh, not with uh, uh, the situation that we're in right now with the virus. But normally, you, you want to be available for the for the appraiser. A great idea is to write down uh, the, uh, the the things that you've done to the house in the past few years, uh, the remodeling, uh, any updates that you've done to the house, uh, new kitchen counters, new flooring. Sometimes there's things that aren't so apparent to an appraiser. Maybe you've put in a new HVAC system, you know, heating and air conditioning units. Uh, the ductwork is all behind the walls, so we can't see that. Uh, or maybe you've upgraded the electrical system. You know, those are things that aren't readily available. So if you can write down as for, from the homeowner, for the homeowner, if you can write a lot of this stuff down and when you did it and how much it cost you, put together a good list of these things uh, for the appraiser. And uh, uh, that's always a, a great way to go. So let's say somebody spends 8000 bucks on a new HVAC system and they let you know, should they expect that appraisal to be up to $8,000? They spent it. They did, yeah, absolutely. And in general, no. Um, <laughs> generally, as appraisers, we don't do a dollar-for-dollar dollar adjustment uh, for the different components of a house compared to other homes. But what we do is uh, Fannie Mae, uh, that's the largest buyer of mortgage, uh, mortgages, and they put uh, securities together for investors, and uh, and they give us our guidelines and our rules to follow. They're one of the, people, one of the uh, entities that gives us our rules to follow as appraisers. And one of them is they want an appraiser to look at a house in a holistic manner. And what I mean by holistic, and that's actually the exact term that Fannie Mae uses, is they want the appraiser to look at the house as a whole. So maybe they've gotten a new HVAC system that cost them $8,000, but maybe they haven't uh, replaced the carpeting uh, in, in a decade, uh, or maybe the house needs paint. Um, so, so the appraiser is looking at the house as a whole and not at the individual components when they're assigning value. I had a client one time, and this, when you said carpet, it reminded me of this. He felt like his home was worth 200000 and, and, you know, it was in that range. But then he said, and I just spent $4,000 on new carpet, so now it should be worth two hundred four. Well, the appraiser didn't see it that way. 
Uh, in fact, he had, the appraiser had given some value for upgrades. Um, and he goes, it should be $4,000 more. And I said, but wait a minute, you got to the 200000 by the old carpet that was here that might have been worth 2000 He goes, oh, right. that's a go. good point. Yep. Yeah. There you go. So yep. you took out the old stuff that helped bring you to your base price. Uh, so you can't take that all of it, unfortunately. There you go. Yep. Yep. Okay. I have a question for uh, one of our loan officers now, and I'm going to pick Didi. All right. <laughs> um, all right. So what happens when somebody's refinancing and you're yeah. looking for a 300000 You guys, are, you need $300,000 on an appraisal to get to a certain threshold for loan to value, but the appraisal comes in at two ninety. Do you say, well, hey, it's, or, or even if it was a purchase, maybe the purchase price was 300000 Appraisal comes in low. What, what happens? Which, what takes precedence, Dee? Well, what takes precedence? The, the appraised value. We, if it's a purchase, we let the realtor know, and then they can they can decide if they're going to renegotiate the the the, uh, the purchase contract. Um, but that's not you know we're just providing that information. They they have to decide that amongst themselves and their clients. Um, but the, we accept the appraisal value and we adjust our loan qualifications or loan application. It can change, um, a few things on the loan. Sometimes if there's no, if there's plenty of room, if it's a refinance, it may not make any difference at all. In other words, when I say plenty of room, if there's plenty of equity in the property, that it may not make a difference at all. Um, a difference in the payment, a difference in the interest rate, we're still good. But if there isn't any room, and I just had one the other day, when we have applied for the maximum and the appraisal comes in lower than what we anticipated, then we need to make an adjustment. And when we make an adjustment to the application, it can change the interest rate because now our loan to value has increased. Ah. We still want the same amount of money, but the value is lesser than what we anticipated due to a lower appraisal. So now we have some new figures to work with. The interest rate, we could still give the same interest rate, but sometimes it may cost more for that rate. We call that a discount point, but it's really not discounting. It's really a cost. So, Or we can change our, we can change our loan amount to keep them in the same original loan to value so that it they don't go into that other threshold that might cost them more money. So we have options, then we work with them. Um, I personally try to not put anybody in a max position because if they're purchasing something, why purchase to your max debt to income ratio? Don't max yourself out. Always leave a little bit of room there just because the guidelines say you can go up to a certain point why take it to the max give yourself some room so i do that in um in estimating the appraised value when when i first take the application i run a property profile i verify the solds on the property the the previous um recent solds and try to get a a anticipated value for that property Mm -hmm. um but the appraiser's got the last word. 
um, the appraisal report. And so that's the value we go with, and we adjust our figures once that comes in. All right. Well, thank you. And with this, we are going to go to our last commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio 940 ESPN. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, where we are taking care of business um, somehow, some way in these crazy times. And um, I, we, we have Didi Scordino, Pablo Estrada of Homebridge Financial with us, Tony Blackburn of Apple Appraisal Management Center here. Um, I want to give you a statistic that I find surprising. Here we are in the craziest times of our lives, probably. And um, as far as taking care of business for the first quarter of this year, which included the crazy month of March, where so many people were sent home and said, you can't work, you have to shelter in place. There were 1,767 closings in Fresno County. That's up from last year, same time frame, the first quarter of 1734. Now, uh, I think, Pablo, you had an interesting comment on that, that the second quarter might be the, the real telltale sign. Yeah, that's correct. I think we'll see more realistic um, numbers based off on that. But, you know, kind of what we uh, what I was uh, thinking is that our market and, and I, I know Tony mentioned this earlier, that um, right now we're, we're, we're real busy. So um, though the market is it's overall down or let's say the economy is down due to the, uh, what's going on with the virus, um, our, our local market, Fresno market, has remained very, very healthy. Well, and Tony... Yeah, that's right. Oh, no, go ahead, Tony. Well, I was just going to chime in to that, Don, because I happened to run some statistics from the Fresno Multiple Listing Service this morning. And uh, April, you know, April is the big month here to date that uh, that uh, the pandemic has really affected. And uh, in April here in Fresno, Fresno County, the average price per square foot for homes is up. The average days on market is down, meaning there's more demand and people are buying homes and, and it's not taking as long to sell a home. The average price for a home in Fresno County is is way up. Uh, so the the market is uh, there might be a little bit of panic buying going on right now, uh, but I think people are seeing low interest rates and uh, opportunity here. And uh, 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 I think Pablo's right. The second quarter might be a little bit different, but right now uh, the the market is surprisingly strong in Fresno County right now. It's a great time to sell a home. Yeah, the statistics I ran showed uh, last year for the first quarter, it was 27 days on the market for the median, and this year, 20 days on the market. So somehow, yep. some way, they're going quicker. Um, yeah. All right. What? Let me ask this question, and let me start with Didi. How has this pandemic affected your business, and how, do you, how are you doing things different? to make it through? Well, <clears throat> not to everyone else, super busy. Um, the, the way, I mean, the way we're doing business to, to make it through is basically working around the clock, <clears throat> excuse me, working a lot. Um, the, 
working from home again electronically and on the phone and it doesn't matter what day it is we're all still working um you know i know pablo is extremely busy i'm i haven't been this busy in years it's just the phone keeps ringing and the the calls keep coming in um how it's affected the business most people that have solid incomes and have solid jobs uh, a lot of the you know the government jobs or the um the medical professions um those people are looking at the advantage of reducing their mortgage um payment by reducing their interest rates so the refinances are a big part of my business right now um there are still some purchases coming through but the refinances are definitely taken over and it's due to the interest rates being so low and that's a really good point you bring out. With this, that does bring advantage to to some. So, uh, and are you seeing that, Pablo? Yes. Um, our, you know, um, again, I'm going back to Tony's comments about businesses, uh, his business quadrupling. I was in my head thinking, I think he's going to say quadruple. And I think that's, that's about right. Our business personally hasn't uh, quadrupled, but it has grown a lot. Um, and I think the main point to take from here for everyone that's in this business or customers that are listening at home, for us, it's all about evolving and adjusting. Because a month ago, the normal way of business was I go to the office, I get things done, I do my whatever schedule you have, and then you call it a day. Um, though in real estate, it's always different. You always get phone calls, after hours, weekends. So, so that, that's normal. But the new normal is you're at home. You're working from when you wake up almost until you go to sleep. There's no, I'm out away from the office. I'm away from my desk. That doesn't exist anymore. And, uh, you know, I see with my loan officers at the, at the office as well, we're working around the clock, Sundays, you know, 10 p.m., 11 p.m. You go online, you can see who's online as well. You see all these other people before it would have been like no one was there. So adjusting, it's a big thing. Uh, our business has grown. I know it has to do because of the rates. I do tell everyone, and I really believe this, the interest rates is what control the real estate market. It's not so much the economy. The reason I believe that is because this is the point where this is proven. And I've been saying this for years because I do believe that if the rates were high on top of the pandemic, on top of people being afraid, we wouldn't be having this conversation. We'll be saying things are very slow. But because the rates have remained low, it has kept the momentum going. And it will continue to do so until interest rates go up. And, Tony, we have about a minute left. Tell us, how is this? what are you doing different today than you were a month ago? Well, people might be surprised, but appraisers are considered an essential service. Uh, we're here to make sure that uh, the, the real estate transactions keep keep moving. Uh, if you didn't have a, appraisers and their ability to work, the, the markets would, would be neg severely negatively impacted. Uh, we're uh, keeping safety in mind. Um, when we go out to a property, we glove up, we mask up, we use eye protection as appraisers. Um, and we're also a little more flexible now. We can do different types of appraisals. Fannie Mae, uh, allows us to do different types of appraisals, sometimes where we may not even go out to the house. Uh, so there's different types of appraisal inspections going on now. Uh, but yeah, appraisers, uh, not only are we busy, uh, but as an essential service, as, as an essential service provider, uh, we, have a, we have a big responsibility in making sure that 
uh, you know, people are safe and, and uh, our portion of the economy keeps moving. Um, and uh, we're always learning and we're always uh, figuring out new ways to do things. And uh, it's, a, it's actually a good time to be an appraiser right now. All right. Well, thank you very much, Tony. Thank you, Pablo. And thank you, Didi. And to all our listeners, thank you for tuning in to Welcome Home Radio. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.